glad to be able to come together to worship an almighty God today. I'm glad to know what it is that this Christmas season means. We, we talk a lot about Jesus being the reason for the season. But I contemplate this week how often we say that just to remind somebody to say Merry Christmas and to not really think of what it means that he came and robed himself in flesh that I could be saved for hundreds of years, thousand years maybe. Oh, before this, we were under the law, and I'm, I'm not Jewish, which means I didn't have a whole lot of hope under the law. And those that did, one time, once a year, one guy could go in and feel the presence of Almighty God. And I am, I am so thankful this morning that I can... That I can feel His presence, that I can know who He is, I can have relationship with Him. I'm going to do something a little out of my ordinary this morning, um, but I I took the time and I and I actually I did this about 2010. I wrote all this out, and I was going through an old notebook this week, and I found this, and um, and it's just I, I took the time while I was studying at one point to write out what I thought the thoughts might be of some of the people in the Christmas story as they experienced it as it was happening. So I'm going to uh, read through a few of these. So this is not my, my typical style. This is very much out of my comfort zone this morning. Um, but I hope that it gives somebody as much as it gave me when I wrote it out a few years ago. There was more than just a baby there when Christ was born. When he was brought into the world, there were other faces, there were other people in this story, some friendly, some not so much, but all were an integral part of the Christmas story. So I would like to uh, embark on this journey for a couple minutes and just hear a few of their voices. I want to start with Mary. Uh, I think probably her thoughts, and there again, these are my thoughts of her thoughts, but I think her thoughts may give us some insight into what was going on at Christmas. It says, An angel came to me today and told me that I was going to have a child, that his, his name was to be Jesus. I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. I, I have to tell Joseph, but, but what do I do? He probably, I mean, he's not going to still want to marry me. I... Uh, the law says I could be stoned to death, and I, I just don't know what to do. I told Joseph, and he said he was visited as well, that an angel came to him too, and that he's still going to marry me, and I'm, I'm so glad about that, but I'm still so worried. We're, we're at Bethlehem now, and we had to come here for our taxes, but now we've got here, and the journey was so hard, I'm... I'm pregnant with this baby and this journey was rough on the donkey and we've gotten here and there's no place for us to stay. We're going to have to sleep in a barn and that's probably where my, my baby, my child is to be born. Just imagine the Messiah, the Son of God being born in a barn. Oh, the greatest thing has happened. My son, my, my Jesus was born and once he came, people just came to worship him. There were shepherds and there were wise men from the east and these they brought gifts, and I, I'm so excited. Who knows what time will bring for my son, my Messiah, my Savior, my Jesus. 
But we look at Joseph and his thoughts. My, my fiance told me today that she's pregnant. But what do I do? I, she says that this child is of God, but what, what's that mean? I, I love her, but I can't, I can't marry her now. The law says to stone her, but I, I, I love her too much to do that. So I'm just going to try to quietly send her away and hope no one notices. What? Who, who are you? What's going on here? What do you mean the child is of the Holy Ghost? I, I don't understand what that means. But I will. Okay, I will marry her. I wish that I didn't have to go to Bethlehem. This journey is so hard on Mary uh, with her being with child. And now I can't even find a place for my, my wife and our, our soon-to-be child to stay. And we're going to have to sleep in this barn. The child has been born and the craziest stuff keeps happening. First, shepherds and then wise men came from the east to see Jesus and they, they, these kings, they bowed down and they worshipped him. They brought expensive gifts. Who is this child that is my son and what happens now? We look from the viewpoint of the, the wise men Herod, we are, we're wise men. We've come from the east. We're kings in our own country. Magi, and we have, we've come to worship him that is born king of the Jews. We have studied. We've seen his star even from our country. And we've followed that star here to find the Messiah. A king that is born and is like no other. What you say is to be born in Bethlehem? Thank you. We will go there. Thank you. We will, we'll let you know when we find him. Guys, guys, here he is in this barn, directly below the star. Look at the child. Look at the Messiah. Child, we have brought you gifts, and we worship you, and we give you glory, and we give you honor, and we give you praise. Guys, I I had a dream last night. That dream said to go home another way, not, not let Herod, not let the king know what's going on with this child. Go to the view of Herod, the king. What is this? Why are these wise men that aren't even from my country saying that a a king was born? I have not had a son. What's going on here? Get me the priests. Get me the scribes. I must know what this is all about. Magi, the wise men, did these, these... What's going on here? Did this star tell you anything? Where did it appear? Go... Search for the child. Find him. Didn't tell them, but when they find the child, I'm going to kill him. I can't lose my throne. I can't lose my legacy to this child. Those wise men, they they never came back. I, I hear they left another way. I'm going to try to find the child, but since I can't, I'm going to find every child under the age of two, and I'm going to just kill them all anywhere around Bethlehem because I can't lose my throne. I'm going to look at one more, I guess two more voices, but we're going to look at Simeon. Here goes another day. Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm in the temple. I'm doing your work. I wonder. I wonder. I've been, 
I've been told, Lord, you told me that I would that I would see you. I wonder if that's today. I've been waiting for years, you know, but just maybe it'll be today. I'll go to the temple today, and maybe today the Messiah, the Messiah will be there. Look at this child. Could it be? Is it? Oh, Lord, the Messiah, the, the, the Lord, the child is here. I have seen him. He's been born. He's a light for the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. He's the salvation of the world. And Lord, now you've given me all that I needed. I, can, I have lived out my days and I can die in peace. Thank you, Lord. We could look at more voices. We could look at maybe Elizabeth, maybe the innkeeper, maybe the shepherds. But there's, there's another voice that was on the Christmas story that in my opinion is just as important and that's my voice. You see, before Christ, I had no, no chance. I was not a Jew. Uh, through birth, I did not have any chance of a relationship with God or of Him bringing me somewhere. But God so loved me that He came and He gave His only Son that I, that I could have hope. That I could have change, that I could have a chance, and that I could have a choice. He gave me the ultimate Christmas gift, that I could be free. He reached down to me when I was down, when I was out. He doesn't care who we are or where our situation was, but He found me on Christmas. And I am so thankful for that. I... I hope that puts a little thought, and I'm going to get into my lesson now, but I, I hope that puts a little thought in your mind of what it Christmas means. There were a lot of voices in the Christmas story, a lot of people that interacted, and we, we see the wise men, and we see Herod and Mary and Joseph and Simeon, and each of those and how and where they interact through the Christmas story. But to me, the biggest voice in the Christmas story, I'm thankful, is mine. Because I get to have relationship with Him and I can know who He is and I can have hope in my life because that child was born on Christmas Day. And we sing a song a lot this time of year. In fact, I think I heard my girls singing the other day. It says, Away in the manger, no crib for a bed. And I, I want to talk for a few moments this morning and I'm that in my pocket. If I get out of time, yell at me because my phone's in my pocket now. Uh, I'm short on space here. We're going to go to the book of Matthew, uh, the first chapter, and I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to read all of it, but let's jump down to say maybe verse 21. Uh, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. We hear the Christmas story, and we see the song... Uh, away in a manger, and it's away is one word in that song, but I, I wonder this morning if we couldn't rename that song a little bit and put a space 
in the word away because when I hear that, it clicks in my mind that it's not simply a little boy afar off, away in a manger, but what really happened Christmas Day is this child is born as was given to me a way in that manger. A way to make it through life, a way to make it through the difficulties of life, a way to have salvation, healing, and hope from an almighty God. That way came in the form of a little baby in a feed trough. I don't know most of your experience with feed troughs, but I can remember usually starting maybe a month ago at about every day I'd get off the school bus and I'd kick my boots on when I got up to my grandparents' house and I'd take off my school shoes because if I if I fed the cows in my school shoes, I'd be in trouble. I'd get my boots on because the manger's not a real nice place. And I'd go down there to the, to the feed lot out there by the feed trough and the cows had been mucking around and if I was lucky, I wouldn't lose a boot in the mud that day. You know, I'd get me a sack of feed and I'd get over there and open it up and slop it out in the trough and the, the cows would come and they'd be eating and messing and stomping and getting all over my boots and generally it'd be on my jeans and green mud from cows stains jeans. That stain does not come out. It's just not a real nice place to be. And It didn't smell all that great, Pastor. It wasn't somewhere I was excited. And I'd go back in the barn and there's hay in there and... Uh, might be some chickens over on the other side. Sometimes we had some goats there. and None of that smelled all that great either. I'd get in there where the feed was at, and that was generally full of rats. And uh, There'd be stuff running around there, and you'd try to catch them, try to kill them, but you couldn't seem to ever get rid of all of them. Because you're trying to get rid of those, there's a bunch of feral cats that are hissing at you, and they don't like you invading their space. And that's where the manger was. We We think of the nativity scene, and we... Separate from everything else, maybe out front of a church on some really nice, well-manicured grass. We get some some lumber and we build up this little three-sided thing with the top on it and it's angled back. And we put a couple nice square bales of hay there on this nice, clean grass. And a little wooden manger that was built that's like just the right size for a baby. That's not how that works. But in the midst of the mess... In the midst of a place that probably wasn't very pretty and probably didn't look all that nice and probably didn't smell very good. I doubt there was any well-manicured grass. I, I don't think anybody built a little feed trough just the right size for the child to be born. But in the midst of all of that mess came away in that manger. In the midst of all of that problem came, as Isaiah said, Emmanuel, God with us. said there would be a child born, there would be a son given. And Christ, as he spoke later, he refers back, at least in my mind. This isn't a connection that's made in Scripture. But as I read in uh, John, the 14th chapter, as Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I, I cannot read that Scripture. It doesn't have to be Christmas time. No matter when in the year I read that Scripture, the thought comes to my mind that he is the way. And that way came. Through a child born in the midst of a messy feedlot. The state of the world. Before the flood when Noah came was pretty bad. And Noah's way was given through a boat. The state of the world today is 
pretty bad, and our way is given, not through a boat, but through Jesus Christ. I am thankful that I don't have to make a sacrifice to roll back my sin for another year. I'm thankful that no matter how messy my life is, and no matter how gross it might be, and and maybe wading into my life is somewhere that the pastor might have to swing by and take his church shoes off and kick on his boots, just like I did as a little boy headed into the feedlot. Maybe coming into my problem is somewhere that's not all that nice of a place to be, but God says, I'm going to reach down into the midst of your mess. And when your life doesn't look all that great and it doesn't smell all that great and you've got problems and nothing is the way it should be, in the midst of that mess, Christ says, I, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man cometh to the Father, he says, but by me. And I remember the day that I got old enough that there were cousins younger than me. And all of a sudden, I'd come home from school and I'd still kick my boots off. But I'd tell my cousins, hey, why don't you grab those couple bags of feed and you go do that. And I'm going to go sit on the tractor and I'm going to put the hay out. I thought I had made it. I tell you what, sitting on the tractor, driving across the field, and now I'm, I'm going across the field that's got a little bit of green still, and it's kind of nice out. And I don't know how, but it seemed like it was dreary and rainy every day, throwing feed into the trough. But sitting on that tractor, driving across the field with a bale of hay on the front, it seemed like the sun was always shining. Everything was always better. I had made it. I had gotten to my place that I... I had achieved something. And it's a lot like that in our when we come to that place of God that we we get to a place that we have an experience with him. And I go from this place that it seems like it's the muck and the mess and nothing's the way it ought to be and life just is so much problem and so much hurt and so much weariness and it doesn't smell good and it doesn't look good and I have an encounter with Christ. I find my way at that manger and all of a sudden everything seems better. It seems like the dreariness is gone and the sun's shining and does that mean I don't have problems? No. Life's still life. I don't care how long you live for God, life will always be life. And you're always going to run into the problems that come from living life on this earth. But I have found that it, once I had my interaction, once I had an experience with the way in the manger, from then on I can face what I face knowing that He is with me, knowing that He's by my side, knowing that in the midst of my mess, in the midst of my turmoil, in the midst of my difficulties, that I face it with Jesus Christ. Today I know that we all carry problems with us. We all bring with us difficulties we all bring with us situations and it's <coughs> it's sometimes hard for us to look at all the things that we bring into life and we we walk into and I talked about this a Sunday or two ago we we carry sometimes in the door of the church all these things with us and the whole time the manger's sitting right at the front saying hey there's a way right here 
There's an answer right here. I heard it. I, I had a note from somewhere. I don't remember who I heard speak it, but I, I heard a Christmas sermon one time called The Cradle and the Cross, and it's pretty easy for us to comprehend the love of the cradle because we see children and their love and they're smiling and they're happy. And we, we don't always understand the love of the cross because it's hard to relate to that terrible situation to comprehend what it is. But I, I think today that we can't have the cross without the cradle and we can't have the cradle without the cross. I think that without Calvary, there wasn't going to be Calvary. There would have been no need for the manger. But if it weren't for the manger, there could be no Calvary. And we, we get to Easter time and we talk about Calvary and Christ's sacrifice for us so that we could live and Him going to Calvary and dying on the cross and being buried in the tomb and three days later rising. We celebrate and we excite that and what that means for our salvation. But I have to be every bit as excited for the manger because the sacrifice made at Calvary is only possible because the sacrifice made in a barn lot. Sacrifice made at Calvary is a wonderful thing. Not a pretty thing, but a wonderful thing. But I find that throughout God's work, He makes the biggest of miracles happen in the least beautiful of places. And Calvary wasn't pretty, but brings us right back to talking of the barnyard, is that neither was the manger. But I'm thankful today. I I wonder how it would relate to my life if the manger had been this nice, clean, pretty sterile place. Didn't have hospitals at the time, but maybe, maybe if Jesus had been born in the nice little house with the white picket fence and everything just so, so. Two parents, two and a half kids, a dog. Just the standard perfect little everything right already wrapped up in the bow all nice and pretty if that was the story of Jesus I don't know how it would relate to my life I don't know if he had been born in this mansion where everything was just so so maybe he had been born into that that king that castle that Herod lived in or wherever the king lived in at the time I don't I'm not sure I've seen any middle eastern castles but wherever he was born if it had been this majestic place and everything was just right and servants are watching and serving and everybody's taking care and people are coming to worship not because they followed a star but because he was the king's son. If everything was majestic and just so-so, how would that relate to my life? It's there that my voice in the Christmas story is real glad that he was born in a feedlot. He was placed in a a feed trough in a barn that probably wasn't all that pretty. Uh, I'm sure they did the best they could. I'm I'm sure Mary and Joseph were trying to kind of scoop the stuff out of the manger and put some, you get any old feed remnants and cattle slobber or whatever that's been in there out of the way and maybe find the freshest hay they can and place there, put a blanket over that maybe to make it as soft and as nice and as warm as they can, as sanitary as possible. But at the end of the day, they were in a barn. And I think that that had to happen so that I could relate to Christ's story. I think he had to be born somewhere messy 
Because he wasn't walking into perfect lives. Because Calvary couldn't have been pretty either because it was taking his life. But as it happened, he was stepping through the sacrifice at Calvary, which came through the sacrifice at a manger. And all of that in these messy places happened so that he could reach into our messy lives. So today, as we celebrate Christmas, the pastor was talking to some kids at KCA the other day, and the subject was the gift that we give Christ, and that He's given us so much, and our gift to Him is simply us. And sometimes I think we think about that, and we're like, well, how could I give Him this? What I've got... What I've got's broken, Pastor. What I've got's messy. What I've got isn't all that pretty. And, and how can I give him that as a gift? Because look at the mess that I'm handing him. But I want to tell you this morning, and I'm going to end early. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus wants messy gifts. He came to messy places. He did his biggest of sacrifices in messy places because I I truly believe because he's reaching to our messy lives. So today, this Christmas season, we talk about gifts and uh, we talk about celebrating all these things. But I, I think the most important thing I can do this Christmas season is give my life to him. The most important celebration I can do this Christmas season, regardless of the mess that I'm bringing him, So I can say, Jesus, I got one present for you and I want to give you all of me. Everything I have and everything I am, I want to submit all of that to you. Jesus, Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday. I want to give you everything I've got because I am so thankful that you came. In the midst of the mess of the manger, you came because through that you stepped into the midst of the mess of my life. Very good. A way in a manger. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for that day that he made a way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I trust that what we've heard today, we can make application and we can give ourselves to him. How many of you already have all your Christmas shopping done? Anybody have all your Christmas shopping done? There are a few. Um, I like uh, those types of people that are playing. How many of you are like me? You're going to get it all done on Christmas Eve. Anybody like that? Yep. All right. As long as it gets done. So get that done. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure we get done what we heard today. And that is prepare to give him that gift. Why don't we take a moment now and do that, offer ourselves to Him during this Christmas season. Father, I know that we have the hustle and the bustle of Christmas. My prayer is what we've heard today. We can make application and we can give ourselves. We don't have to have it wrapped nicely. Not very many of us do. We've got to give it to You. And when we give it to You, You receive it as we give it. And we're blessed by it in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I don't think that it matters. How many of you have ever gotten a gift and the gift was more important than how it was wrapped? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm thankful for the gift that I can give to him. It may not be wrapped the best, but we can present that to him. And I say today, give you to him. It's what he wants. God bless you. We're going to take just a few moments break. And then we're getting ready to have First Kids Christmas program. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. These kids look great. We've seen them as they've been coming in. And I love 
the attitude of children at Christmas time. Let's try to get that attitude. And hopefully today, something that you hear, you see, you feel will help you have a very Merry Christmas. God bless you.